Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Hardfell Radio. It is the 2nd of November. Election day is tomorrow. Don't forget to go vote. Please remember, this is not a political podcast. Vote for who you like. Don't just vote against who you dislike. Uh, I'm not going to explain it any more than that. Uh, we are back. Let me apologize. Uh, I did not rec- I did not put anything out last week. I was recording. It's just every time I was recording, and I actually even did it a little bit earlier today, which is why we're getting an afternoon episode, where I just didn't feel... I was thinking of topics and thinking of things to say, and it just didn't feel good enough to want to put out. Um, but we're changing that. We're back. Um, gonna have a much better week. Work also sucked last week, but we're here. We're ready to go. It's Monday. Let's get started. The old saying is, you are what your record is. So even if I don't think this is the number one team in the league, we have to treat the Pittsburgh Steelers like they are the best team in football. They're seven and zero and just had a win against the Baltimore Ravens. With that being said, why do you think the Steelers are seven and zero? Well, imitation is the highest form of flattery. To use another old expression, you know what the Steelers really feel like. The Steelers feel like maybe a couple more, couple more big names version of the early Patriots. When I'm saying the early Patriots, I've always differed. The two Patriots, they essentially the Patriots have two dynasties and one. The teams that were winning early on did not reflect the teams that were winning the last couple years. Uh, but these this Pittsburgh Steelers team feels like the old version or the first version of the New England Patriots. This is a team that is, their defense is clearly the best part of their team. They have a good running game. They have receivers who can go out and make some plays, although they might not, excuse me, not be top five or top ten receivers. And they have a quarterback who can have flashes of great, but more or less is just not losing the game. If you look at a lot of Pittsburgh's games this year, the defense is great. They're not allowing guys to move the ball. They're doing great on third downs. They're forcing turnovers. And offensively, they're just not turning the ball over. This is Ben Roethlisberger, even though he's coming off an injury. He's 38 years old, 39 years old. He is having his best touchdown to interception ratio of his career. And he's not throwing a lot of touchdowns. It's not like he's like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers and he's just throwing three, four touchdowns, five touchdowns here and there. No, he's not throwing a lot of touchdowns. But he's not making the big mistake. We've seen a bunch of Steeler teams over the years that have great weapons. We got to see uh, the Killer Bees, the last version of them, uh, with Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. We got to see Ben with, uh, when he had Heinz Ward, Antonio Holmes, Heath Miller. Now, that team did get to a Super Bowl. But we've point being, we've seen Ben with a lot of weapons before. We've seen Ben um, and the Steelers be a big-time offense before. But they always just seem to make the mistake and fall a little short especially when it came time to matching up with a team like New England. You played the Patriots, and Ben might only ben might throw you one or two interceptions, and against a lot of teams, that's not enough to beat them, or enough, that's not enough for him to lose the game. Because Steelers have always had pretty good defenses, and so when you had an explosive offense, pretty good defense, one or two turnovers weren't going to kill you, unless you were playing the Patriots, who maximized and capitalized on your mistakes and did not make mistakes of their own. Let's look at yesterday, for example. The Ravens felt like that that same era of Pittsburgh Steelers. 
They had better players than the Patriots. They had a more explosive offense than the Patriots. But they made turnovers. And when they had turnovers, New England capitalized. Go back to Ben's last playoff game against against the Patriots. Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown. I mean, guys, uh, I believe even um, I'm drawing a blank that that um, the receiver ended up going to the Raiders. Uh, but essentially, they had a lot of guys. They had more offensive firepower and better offensive talent talent than New England, and they got blown out because New England didn't make the mistakes that Pittsburgh was making. Pittsburgh made two key turnovers. New England takes advantage of that. They capitalize. New England scores, excuse me, and blows out Pittsburgh. Now, yesterday's game wasn't a blowout, but the only difference in that game, Baltimore had two turnovers. Pittsburgh scored off one of those turnovers. Both those turnovers, one directly. The Steelers, I don't think are a better team than Baltimore. I don't believe they're a better team than Kansas City. I'm not sure if they're better than a Seattle or Tampa Bay in the NFC, but they make the least mistakes. Pittsburgh has learned, and I don't, I can't tell you 100% if this is um, a direct strategy or direct copy, but they are playing like that original New England team, which is, Tom, you don't got to win the game, but just keep us in it and play well. Don't make mistakes. Defense is going to play great. We're going to out-coach 99. uh, They're going to out-coach 99 with Bill Belichick. 99% of the guys they go against. Mike Tomlin's a great head coach. He's going to out-coach 90% of the guys he goes against. Also, shout-out to Mike Tomlin. Just passed Tony Dungy for the most wins by a black NFL head coach in NFL history. 140 is the number. So, yeah, 140 is the number. So, this Pittsburgh team is really good. They're not making mistakes. They feel like New England. And without New England being normal New England, switch the jerseys around. And if Tom Brady had a good touchdown to interception ratio, you know, he wasn't throwing a lot of touchdowns, the defense was playing great, and you just capitalized on your key plays, oh, yeah, that's the 2019 Patriots who were also the last team to lose a game last year. Just saying. Moving on from the Steelers and the Patriots to the tr- one of the tests of how great someone is is not just about, like we love the adversity argument, right? We love it if a guy uh, comes from adversity and makes his way and, you know, the kid, the underdog story, kid wasn't supposed to make it, and they turn out to be this great thing. Um, we love those stories. Excuse me. But that's not our only measure of greatness. Obviously not. Another measure of greatness is jealousy. It's very easy, especially in sports. Jealousy is one of the easiest ways to tell how great are you at your job and how great are you at your sport. What do I mean by that? Let me throw out some teams, some some sports teams to you. And I want you to what's the I want you to think about what is the first thing that comes to your mind. Twenty eleven Miami Heat. That's not fair. They got LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh on one team. What? That's not fair. How do you do? What? What? That, that title doesn't even count. They're just stacking teams now. That's not even fair. 
Okay. 26, 2017, Golden State Warriors. They already have what? What? They already have Steph and Clay, and now and now just they just get Kevin Durant. You just you just get to do that. You just get to add Kevin Durant to a team that's been to the finals two straight years. Oh, that 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 title doesn't even count. To count, that's an easy title. That's a cakewalk. That's easy move. We don't we don't even respect you, KD. How are you gonna make that move? Okay. When you are so, I'm sorry, I'm one of the last team. Um. The 1992 Dream Team. What's the greatest basketball team ever? I mean, Mike, Charles Barkley, uh, Stockton, Magic, Bird, ran through everybody who were beating people by 50, 60 points. When you get to a certain level of great, jealousy is a great way to see how people truly interpret how great you are. Because once you get to be accompanied by other greatness and be surrounded by other greats it's not fair what do you mean you get to have more help you're already you're, you're already this great you need to have that much more help look guys i wasn't the biggest tom brady fan growing up in fact i was a tom brady hater it's really easy to hate on the patriots they were always winning uh, i didn't like brady as a kid you know whatever whatever my reason were they were childish so i didn't like them but as I've learned to grow up and respect how great he's been and how great he has upheld himself for the length of his career, you got to give it to him. And what I mean, and, and let's, let's bring this together. Tom Brady, right now, is there's people, there are people that are going on the internet and saying, and even TV analysts, that... Of course he's having a better season. Look at who he's throwing the ball to. But you guys also, you, you went on TV last year and criticized him when he didn't have great receivers. And, oh my gosh, he's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. He's supposed to make this guy work and make this guy work and make this guy work. Okay. Okay. So, like LeBron... When you go to the finals and you get crushed and we crush you because you lost, we don't look at the fact you had Timothy Mozgov as the starting center and Matthew Dellavedova as one of your best three players and Kyrie was out and Kevin Love was out and we just, you're LeBron James, you're supposed to be that great. So Tom Brady, when you have aging Julian Edelman and maybe one more receiver an average fan could name. You're Tom Brady. You're supposed to be that great. But then, but then, you start getting help. You get Anthony Davis to LA. Well, now that's just not fair. That's not fair. That's not, why do you, you don't need AD. You need AD. Come on, LeBron. Tom Brady, now you get, oh, of course Tom Brady's doing better. He's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin who, who have both been hurt in this time, by the way. And even when they've played, have both been hurt. And now he gets Antonio Brown, who hasn't played in a year. And then he has, he, but he's got Gronk, who was coming off retirement and looked out of shape for the first five weeks. Oh, now they get Leonard Fournette, who's still been hurt. And Tom Brady is second in the league in touchdowns. He's going to be playing on Monday Night Football here coming up shortly. And in this game... 
he's going to pass Drew Brees heading into next week's matchup for the most touchdown passes all time in NFL history. Okay. So, do we want to anoint his greatest of all time status escalating to a unreachable point now? Or do you want to wait until the end of next year where maybe he's added 40 more touchdowns and a Super Bowl onto it? So, let's just appreciate Tom Brady. Because like I said, jealousy is a great way to tell you how people really feel about you. And there's a lot of people that are jealous and a lot of people that are showing uh, venomous would be the correct word towards Tom Brady's current season and what he's doing with the Buccaneers. And he has single-handedly turned a losing franchise that lacked confidence, which is a big thing, and now has him as probably the NFC frontrunner. And think about this. Think about this. Imagine if to really just uh, LeBron said in 2016, this is and this is recorded, this is not hearsay. When he beat Golden State, that made him the GOAT. Now you can argue with him, you can disagree, you can agree with him, disagree with him, argue with him, whatever you want to do. I'm not here for that. I am here though to double down on this statement. If Tom Brady and the Bucks go to the Super Bowl. And right now, the obvious matchup would be versus Kansas City. And he beats Mahomes. It's over. It's no longer even a conversation or a relevant... Sorry, it's not even it's not a debate or even a relevant conversation of how much better Tom Brady is than every other person who's ever played this game. I mean, I'm I'm a big Lawrence Taylor and Jerry Rice guy, and Tom will be on another level from them. We know Tom's the GOAT. Right now, jealousy is showing that he's even more than we thought, and we just don't want to recognize. And he goes and gets himself another ring. This is Tom Brady's NFL, man. This is Hardfall Radio. We'll be back momentarily. This is Hard Foul Radio, and you guys know, you guys know, I couldn't, I could not come on here and not talk about the Broncos game yesterday. Man, and it's going to lead into our next subject, so it's our next segment, so this works perfectly. It's not even me being biased, maybe just a little bit. So I watched yesterday, um, yesterday was a really good day, woke up, had a really good breakfast, uh, watched Nightmare Before Christmas with my girlfriend, and then watched the Bronco game, and it was miserable for about an hour and then 45 minutes. Yeah, probably around that time, maybe almost two hours. And, man, 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 man. First off, 
so much here. So much here to unpack. Uh, there's a key word here, by the way, and that's confidence. Um, and, I'm, and it's just the confidence of this team is so it's it's so pivotal in the way they play. When the defense is confident, which is generally always the first quarter, um, and then some of the second quarter, they're great. It's a top five defense. I stand on that. When they're not playing confident, and their confidence is really just based off of, is our offense going to get us more than 10 points? And that's a real thing in Denver. Denver's scoring. Denver just scored 30 for the second time this season. They haven't done that since 2015 when they won the Super Bowl. They get one 30-point game a year ever since they won the Super Bowl. That is insane. So this defense loses its confidence when it loses its confidence in its offense. And then they just start playing like ass, and this is how scores get run up. Right? Like they, they, they held Kansas City to zero, zero third down conversions. Zero. But when your offense only gets you 10 points going into the fourth or nine points going into the fourth quarter, you don't care anymore. Drew Locke's confidence. When Drew Locke is playing with confidence and he's willing to push the ball downfield, he looks great. He looks like a quarterback that you'd want for your franchise for a decade. When he's not playing confident, He's doing little dink and dunk passes for four and five yards on third and 14 and driving you fucking crazy. Philip Lindsay is the ultimate confidence booster. And why I just don't know. I just don't know why. Like he's he, as good as Philip Lindsay has been. It's like Denver doesn't want to use him. It doesn't make sense to me. He's been this good this long. He's got 2,000 yard seasons. He has, excuse me, yeah, two two 1,000 yard rushing seasons. Both seasons been in the league. Made a Pro Bowl. And they're still treating him like running back, too. Never fumbled, by the way. Phil Lindsay's never fumbled in his NFL career. But they paid Melvin Gordon. So, you know, of course Melvin Gordon has to uh, get his carries. And I like Melvin Gordon. I don't love Melvin Gordon, but I like Melvin Gordon. He's not better than Philip Lindsay. Case in point, confidence. Philip Lindsay gets in there. Philip Lindsay seems to never lose his confidence. Goes in there, hits the big 55-yard run, gets this offense started, hits another big 20-yard run. Philip Lindsay almost got 100 yards in a game they, it looked like they didn't want him to play. Philip Lindsay last week against the Chiefs played great until he got concussed. He had almost 100 yards in that game too. Now he's up. He only really got to play two halftime. Confidence is huge, huge, huge for this team. You saw one team pick up confidence, that being Denver, and the way Locke played, the way the defense played, the way Lindsay played, when their confidence started to roll. And then you saw the exact opposite of it with the Chargers who are more talented than Denver, flat out, just more talented, better receiver, um, arguably, arguably, you could, Justin Herbert's been playing better than Locke, um, even though I don't think he did yesterday, uh, still really good, their defense, even though they do have injuries, Denver's got a bunch of injuries too right now, you could argue just talent-wise, are more talented than Denver, 
and then there was the run by Lindsay, and then there was the interception, and then there's the touchdown with the guy falling down, and you could just see the Chargers go, oh my gosh, here we go again. Oh my gosh, here we go again. Their, their confidence that they're not going to screw this up again? Very little to non-existent. Denver's confidence once they got some momentum? Sky high. Denver's got a lot to work, a lot of room. They got a lot of ways to go. If they want to get one of those wild card spots, they're not catching Kansas City. Kansas City's not going to lose four games. Um, they'll be lucky if Kansas City, Kansas City loses fucking two more games. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But to get one of the wild card spots is possible, especially with the Denver's upcoming schedule. They have, I think, I would say they beat. I think they beat Atlanta this week, and then. Uh, from there, I think they also have a good chance against the Raiders. Um, they have they have they have three more winnable games right in front of them to get to six and four. Uh, then they have the Saints and um, there's another back to back against a division leader in there. Uh, but the key word with Denver is just confidence, man. If they could just get their confidence, and hopefully this kind of win elevates them to do that, because um, Locke can be the guy, man. He was getting a lot of shit on Twitter yesterday, and I was I I wasn't helping. I was being an emotional fan, because man, it was frustrating for an hour and forty five minutes, and then they just put it together, and Locke looked like for the first time all year how he looked like last year. He had confidence. It's huge, so huge for this team. Segwaying from that, from what Drew Locke did, um, we all know, like. When you draft a player, every fan wants every draft pick to work, right? You're just like, oh, new player on my team. Well, oh, this guy does really good. Whether you have the first pick in the draft, you got the 32nd pick in the draft, whether you don't even have a first-round draft pick, everybody wants their draft picks to work. Especially if your draft pick is a quarterback. So if your draft pick is a quarterback and they turn out to be Blaine Gabbert, You're disappointed. It's hard. It hurts. And you feel like it's your franchise back three plus years. You draft Patrick Mahomes, you're happy. You did it. And doesn't have to just be first round picks. Like I said, you draft Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has written written the first part of a Hall of Fame career. It's a good Seattle. Good for a decade plus. There's a lot of really good young quarterbacks in the league right now. And there's two more that I'm definitively that I am really high on and everyone's really high on. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, they're going to be good too. They're going to be coming to the league next year. Jets probably going that direction. Jaguars probably going that direction. A um, couple other teams at the bottom, <clears throat> excuse me, trending towards that direction. They're going to need a quarterback. But the way Charger fans feel right now, is that they have Justin Herbert, who's really good, and they don't feel confident about their coach. They don't feel confident about the rest of the team, especially the way they play in fourth quarters. And they don't feel confident in ownership. There's a lot of things they just don't feel confident in. And that brings you to a don't screw it up situation. Don't screw it up is when you pick the right quarterback. You pick some of Holmes. You pick... 
uh, despite how he played yesterday at Carson Wentz. You pick a Jared Goff. You pick the guy who can be your franchise quarterback for 10 years. But you can screw it up. Like Sam Darnold, I think, is a franchise quarterback. The Jets have just screwed it up. Josh Rosen, we'll never know. We'll never know. To, uh, to get to the moral of the story here, I'm going to give you guys, there's no hard left to hard right this week. I'm going to give you guys my top five, don't screw it up. This is NFL teams with a good young quarterback who could be their franchise quarterback, but they have to not screw up the game plan, right? So at number five, and this excludes guys who, have, who are young, but it already works. Patrick Holmes is young, but it already works. We're not including him. Top five, don't screw it ups. <clears throat> Number five, Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen, if you had asked me three weeks ago, he wouldn't be on this list. He wouldn't qualify for this list because it works. Buffalo is a playoff team, and he looks like he's a even better quarterback than we thought when they were able to make the playoffs. Like, he was coming into his own. Um, but he makes this list on the technicality of he's regressed a little bit in these past couple weeks where he is not throwing it for that 250, 300 yards consistently. Um, he looks a little more turnover prone. It just doesn't look as natural as it did in the beginning of the season. Um, so he has regressed. But it's now up to the Bills, who have brought him along slowly, elevated him in the beginning of the season, to not let him fall to a basement floor. Like, I think you can still, this offensive coordinator and this coaching staff can still revamp his season up to where he regains his confidence and he becomes, if he's not 300, 350 yards a game, MVP level first four weeks of the season, that's fine. But you can at least get him back to competent, really good NFL starting quarterback. And that's going to be on them. Don't screw it up. Josh Allen can work in this league. Number four, uh, it's Drew Locke. Uh, obviously, you saw yesterday, Drew Locke didn't play great in the first half. Uh, had a really good third and fourth Had a really good third quarter. Had an amazing fourth quarter. Um... You know, what do you say? But Drew Locke's whole thing is based on confidence. If this coaching staff gets conservative on him, if this coaching staff, um, I was very happy there's people talking about pulling Drew Locke and putting in Brett Ripon in the third. That's a confidence killer. You can't do that with him. You have to instill the confidence in Locke at every single point that you can. He can work. He's a good quarterback, but he's going to need some help. Obviously, this defense is a good defense to play with. Uh, he's missing some guys on offense, uh, including now the the guard with COVID, but he's missing Cortland Sutton. Excuse me, he's missing his right tackle uh, for the season who opted out because of COVID. Like, he's going to need some more guys. Like, he's going to need Jerry Judy to realize his potential. Uh, KJ Hamler, who caught the game when he touched on, be a bigger part of the offense. Tim Patrick is going to need to come back. Uh, he needs Noah Fant. Uh, Michael, uh, Michael O. I'm not going to try to say his last name because I'm not going to butcher that. But... The confidence, if they reinstill it in Drew Locke, this is a don't-screw-it-up moment, Denver. You finally have a chance to have a guy who can get you 20-plus points a game. And for being a fan of the Broncos, that don't happen off, that doesn't happen often post-Peyton Manning. And we really need that. You need to incite confidence back in your fan base. Uh, so Drew Locke's number four. Number three is probably a little controversial. Uh, it's Kyler Murray. So you know, Kyler Murray's only in his second year. Uh, and the Cardinals are in the thick of things in the NFC West. And they did go out and get him DeAndre Hopkins, which is a really good first step. 
But that can't be your only step. If De- if Kyler Murray is going to maximize his potential, you already brought in Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach last year to resonate with him and work side by side with him. And now you bring in D Hop. Um, these are all really good starts, but you can't just end there. You're going to need to do more things if you're going to go all in on this Kyler Murray project, which you kind of have to considering um, his skill set, dynamics, and just his size. He's 5'11". Um, on a good day, he might be 5'9". Um, if you're going to go all in on him, you have to keep that as a commitment if you want him to be your quarterback for 10 years. Um so this is, like I said, kind of a caveat. They've already done stuff to help him, but they need to do more, and they need to commit to continuing to do more. Number two, it's Justin Herbert. I mean, holy shit, I was watching that game for most of yesterday, and like most people, Justin Herbert looked like the better quarterback. And if you've watched him the last four or five weeks, Justin Herbert looks like a guy that you're like, oh, yeah. I wish, I wish my team had him, if you don't have an established quarterback. Pocket presence, arm strength, accuracy, all that stuff. He checks each box. It looks good. Um, like, he is, he's going to be a problem. And if both him and Locke work out, this is a scary division uh, for the next 10 years. The AFC West with Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Drew Locke. Take your call on who you want. Mahomes obviously is in the class by himself, but the other three, that's three really good quarterbacks. Um, but Herbert kind of just continuing to just hammer this confidence thing. You're going to have to really work with him if they keep blowing leads like this. Um, I don't know if Anthony Lynn is going to be his longtime head coach, but you got to get someone in there that's going to remind him and build him up that even though they're losing these games now, there is a pro- there is a process to this. And it will continue to get better. Um, and then the number one, don't screw this up, is, and I was wrong, this would be on hard left, if because I didn't think this guy was going to be this good. It's, it's Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, and it's not close. As good as I think Justin Herbert is, I think he is... Justin Herbert to Joe Burrow is whoever you think the second best young quarterback is to Patrick Mahomes. I think Joe Burrow was in a class by himself. Cincinnati is bad, and I mean really bad. And he just beat the Titans yesterday. He's had good numbers against everybody. And if you watch his games, and I mean really watch his games, he's not just putting up garbage time numbers. He has Cincinnati competitively playing offense. Competitively playing offense in 2020 with the Bengals. Joe Burrow is special. Fucking special. This is the ultimate Cincinnati. You cannot screw this up. Like, this list was made for this scenario. Because not only is he this good right now, if you continue to draft and build an offensive line around him and start to build a real roster around him, not only can he be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, he's also a hometown kid. Like, this just, just, this just works, man. Cincinnati who's not a good franchise, you can't screw this one up. Can't. Joe Burrow is the guy. This is Hard Fire Radio. We'll be back momentarily.
and we're back. Um, I did want to get into another topic in terms of this being a throwaway week for a lot of teams, but we're going to uh, address that tomorrow. Uh, what I do want to say, though, <clears throat> before we get out of here, um, we're going to end, as we always do, with something only I would understand. Once again, you might get this too, but it's the way that my brain works and how I get to this scenario. That's what we call it. Something only I would understand. So for today, November 2nd, something only I would understand. Has anyone... We started today's show off talking about the Steelers being 7-0. And they should be considered the best team in the league because of their record. You are what your record says you are. They're 7-0. They should have the title of the best team. But the reason we know they don't is because number 15 wears a Chiefs jersey. Yeah, no, it's that simple. Number 15 wears a Chief jersey. Do you guys remember, um, if you watched basketball in the 2000s, uh, early 2010s, uh, the San Antonio Spurs were a were a dynasty. Now, you could argue uh, they didn't win back-to-back or they were winning every other year, blah, blah. Like this, The Spurs were a dynasty. They were winning 50 games every year, always a title contender, had a bunch of Hall of Famers. The Spurs were a dynasty. And there was always this thought that, because the Spurs always had older players, even Tony Parker, who wasn't actually as old as Ginobili or Duncan, really Parker and Ginobili weren't as old as Duncan, but they all felt old, right? And we always thought, what if there was a young team that could play like the Spurs? Because the Spurs system was widely acknowledged as, this is the best system in basketball. They just, they just turn out 50 wins, the way they pass the ball, the way they shoot, the way they run offense. Just acknowledge this is the best system in the NBA, probably the best system ever. And this is what elevated Popovich to, all right, he's one of, he's a Hall of Fame head coach. Oh, he's one of the greatest head coaches ever. Oh, he is the greatest head coach ever. And there was always that thought, what if you could do this with a younger core than what the Spurs had? What would that look like? Then we got the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr. And it looked like what San Antonio had done for 15 years. The ball movement, the spacing, the passing, the consistency. And oh yeah, they added the two greatest shooters of all time in the mix and thus created a dynasty. And then they added Kevin Durant and you could argue that 2017 Warriors is the greatest team of all time for an individual season basis. Okay. So in the NFL, if I told you, you could have the quarterback, the coach, the scheme, and I'll even give you the players. Well, that doesn't happen. It's a salary cap league. Plus, you got to match up right time, coach, quarterback, your quarterback's usually going to be older. How long is your coach going to be there? Or your coach, or your, maybe your coach is, or maybe your coach is older and your quarterback's too young. And then it's salary caps. You've got all these guys going in and out. Have you looked at the Chiefs? The Chiefs will have locked up everybody but Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill still might get signed before, the, before his contract's over. Mahomes is signed, Kelsey signed, they got offensive linemen signed, they got Chris Jones, Sammy Watkins is signed. 
Oh yeah, Mahomes is signed. Did I mention Mahomes is signed? And then I have Andy Reid, who's arguably the best offensive coordinator, offensive head coach in the game. Oh yeah, I get that Mahomes guy again. I get the weapons. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, this is what it looks like. And the Chiefs are more than Mahomes, which is the scary part. Because Mahomes has played great, like yesterday, five touchdowns, even if it is the Jets. And he's played, eh, we'll just run the ball against the Bills. Eh, we'll just run the ball against Denver. He has 20 touchdowns and only one interception. This looks like if I got the right head coach and Andy Reid wants to coach for a long time. Patrick Mahomes, who was great early and looks like he's going to be great for a long time. I have the weapons and I have them signed for a long, for long-term contracts. So I'm not worried about the salary cap, especially in a league where everybody's been hit by this COVID thing. And I'm talking about league wide, the leagues themselves. So as everybody else's salary cap comes down, Kansas City's gonna. Oh yeah, Kansas City's gonna have all their players signed while other teams are scrambling to cut guys or release guys because they're not gonna fit under their cap as it comes down. This is the dynasty. Um, I really don't like saying that because obviously Kansas City's in the same division as Denver, but this is what it looks like early on. The NFL super, super hard, super hard to actually have a dynasty. This is why the Patriots are acknowledged as it's, even though there's been a dynasty in every decade, if you look at how the salary cap era has gone versus like those Steelers and Cowboys teams has got to keep everybody, um, this is a dynasty. Um, there's no really other way to put it. You could argue with it, but you'd be wrong. They have the best player. Arguably the best head coach, especially offensively. They got the skill, guys. Their cap's not going to kill them. This is what a dynasty looks like in its infancy. And they're coming off a Super Bowl. I don't know about you guys. But if I had to play Kansas City in the next, I don't know, one, two, three, four, ten years, I'm marking that as an L. And they'll lose some games here and there. Obviously, the Warriors lost games. No one goes undefeated all the time. But did you ever feel like a team was better than the Warriors during their four-year run? Do you feel like anyone's better than Kansas City this year? Do you feel like anyone's better than Kansas City last year? Do you think once Kansas City wins this Super Bowl, do you think anyone's going to be better than them next year? <sighs> this is Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and the Warriors, and that system, and Steve Kerr, and the salary cap that they didn't care about because they were willing to pay all their guys and pay the luxury tax because there was a free ticket to the finals. This is what it looks like. This is a dynasty in its infancy. With that being said, man, appreciate everybody that tuned in today. Uh, like I said, apologize last week. Uh, just recorded, and it just didn't come out very well. Um, but no more of that this week. We're here. We're back. Ready to go. Loving it. 
Glad you spent some time with me today. I appreciate you sharing your time. I don't take that for granted. This is Hard File Radio. We'll be back tomorrow.